listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Well, we are picking up our series in Colossians, and uh, the title of my sermon today is Acorns and Oak Trees. You'll see what that's about very shortly, Acorns and Oak Trees. And we're going to start a brand new chapter here in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first four verses today. Let's look at what Paul says here to the Colossian church here in chapter 3 of Colossians. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. If you don't mind, let's pause and pray one more time and direct our hearts to the Lord today. Father, we're thankful once again for Your presence. We're aware of Your presence right now. We know that You're in the room. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us in the very core of our beings. There's something that you want to say to us by your word and spirit today. So help us, Lord, to clear out any distractions, anything that would get in the way and confuse what you want to say. And by the power of your spirit, through the anointing you placed in my life, may we Allow your word to penetrate our hearts and take root and sprout and grow and bear fruit today. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I want to zoom in on verse 3. We're going to do some digging here right at the beginning. And there's a particular Greek word that I want to zoom in on. And it says this in verse 3 of Colossians 3. It says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden... It comes from the Greek word crypto. Everybody say crypto. Crypto. And the word crypto has two possible connotations. On one hand, crypto can mean protected. It's it's hidden in the sense that it's protected. It's secured. And there is a sense in which our, our life with Christ, our identity in Christ is protected. It's secured with Him. And the enemy can't get to that. The enemy can't touch that. Even if you and I can forfeit and walk away from it, the enemy cannot separate you from your true self, your true identity in Christ. And even death cannot take that away from you. So our our life is hidden with Christ in the sense that it is protected. It is secured. But there's another connotation to the word crypto. And this is the one I really want to zero in on today. Crypto can not only mean hidden in the sense of it's protected or secured, it can also mean hidden in the sense that it's concealed. It's um, obscured. In fact, when you look at that word crypto, you might recognize we get a few different English words out of it. You know, when you think of words like cryptic, cryptogram, or a message that is encrypted. You know, if you have a secret message that you want to get to somebody, but you don't want anybody on the outside to pry their eyes and see that message. You, if you know what you're doing, you can take your message and encrypt it. Put it into a code 
so that only the person you intend to see it will see it and, and, and decipher it. But if anybody else gets a hold of it, they won't be able to decipher it because it's concealed, it's hidden, it's obscured. And so what Paul is saying in this passage is that our true self, our self that is entangled with Christ, our true identity, it is hidden. And yes, it's hidden in the sense that it's protected, but it's also hidden in the sense that it's obscure. It doesn't always, we don't always see it perfectly manifested right here and right now on this earth. Sometimes our true identity in Christ, we, 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 um, we don't always manifest it perfectly. There are all kinds of things that can conceal that, that can hide that, that can suppress our true self from being manifested here on the earth. But what this verse is saying in verse 4, Paul's promising that there's coming a day when Christ appears that you also will appear with Him in glory. There's coming a day when your true nature, the true Ryan Post, the true Jason Hanks, the true Linda Schecksneider is going to be revealed for the whole world to see. And we're going to radiate with the very glory of God. We see a picture of that in the Gospels. You know, when you look at, for example, the Gospel of Matthew, just to pick one of them, you know, for the first few chapters of Matthew, there's always this question hanging over the heads of the disciples. They're always wondering, who is this man? Who is this guy? On one hand, we, we really feel strongly that he's the Messiah because he seems to be doing Messiah-like things, but sometimes he acts in ways that we don't expect for the Messiah to act. And he says things that they, the Messiah would never say. Why would the Messiah say he's going to suffer and die? That doesn't make sense to us. And they're wondering who this man is. And, and on one hand, they see that he's a human being just like them. You know, he gets tired. He has to take naps like us. He sweats like us. He cries. He has emotions like us. So he's a human being. And yet at the same time, there's times when Jesus does stuff that no human being has ever done before. I mean, yeah, he does miracles and healings and he drives out demons, but people have done that in the past. But some of the stuff Jesus does, nobody does. You know, in the Psalms, the Psalms talk about how Yahweh, God himself, commands the waters. He tells the waters where to go. And here we have Jesus walking on water and calming storms, doing things that previously have only ever been ascribed to Yahweh. He's doing God's stuff. And so these disciples are constantly wrestling with this question. Who is this man? What is his identity? And then in Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John onto this mountain, traditionally Mount Tabor. And they go on top of the mountain, and instantly Jesus is transfigured before him, before them. And he begins to radiate with the glory of God. His face shines like the sun. His clothes are dazzling white. And they become enveloped in this cloud. And, and the voice of God speaks from the cloud and says, This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. And Peter, James, and John are so terrified that they pass out in fear. They can't even stand up. And in one instant, in one moment, Jesus' true self, his true identity is perfectly revealed to these three men. This is exactly who he is. No longer do we have any question. We know who this man is. And what Paul is hinting at here in this passage is that something similar is also going to happen to you and I. Whereas sometimes our true self, our true identity in Christ, you know, people can't always see it. Sometimes it's concealed. Sometimes it's obscured. All kinds of stuff obscure that. 
But there's coming a day for those of us who are in Christ. When Christ is revealed, that word, uh, when it says when Christ appears, it has that sense of an unveiling, like the curtain's being pulled back. And there's coming a day when the curtain's going to be pulled back and you're going to see yourself and other people are going to see you and you're going to see other people and and, and you're going to say, wow, look at the glory of God radiating. This is who we truly are in Christ. And it's going to blow our minds. Amen. So how many of you are with me so far? All right. Now here's the direction I want to take it this morning. If this is true, that our true self, our true identity in Christ is hidden with Christ, that in some way it's encrypted, it's obscured, it's concealed, and we don't always see it perfectly right here and right now, then what that means is you and I have to be very careful not to draw conclusions about ourselves based on how things appear right now. See, the normal fallen way of thinking is we say the character you demonstrate right now and the things you say right now and the things that you do right now, that's who you are. That defines you. You are what you do. And so we look at ourselves and we say, I've always been petty. I've always been a loser. I've always been a hothead. So that's who I am. That's my identity. And we define ourselves based on how things appear right now. But if we know that our true self, our true identity in Christ is hidden with Christ, it's concealed, it's obscure, then that's exactly what we cannot do. Make conclusive judgments about who we are based on how things appear right now because appearances don't tell the full story. Let me show you, um, let me illustrate it this way. I think this is going to help you. So on the screen, you're going to see a picture of an acorn. I got a billion of these things in my yard, my front yard. It's just a billion, and I can't walk outside barefoot. It's like stepping on a Lego when you step on these things. It's a, one of the worst pains a human being can experience. But when you look at an acorn, if you didn't already know what happens to an acorn, you would never dream, you would never imagine that this little acorn will one day become a mighty oak tree. I mean, you look at that oak tree, and you're, you're like, how in the world do you get that from that? What's the connection there? But you know what? Everything that makes that oak tree what it is, is contained within that acorn. It just doesn't look that way. So you see, you can't make conclusive judgments about the nature of something based on how it might appear right now. Let me give you another picture. This is a zygote. This is a brand new microscopic, newly fertilized human being. This is what I looked like over 39 years ago. And however old you are, that's exactly what you looked like all those years ago. And when you look at this organism, this zygote, you would never guess that this would one day become a human being, a small child. But everything that makes this child, this human being, what it is, is contained within that little tiny microscopic zygote. It just doesn't look that way. You can't make judgments about the nature of something based on how it might appear right now. One more picture. This is a larvae. I don't know what it is. I've always been creeped out by these things. I just, I don't want anything to do with that. Disgusting. But if you didn't already know what happens to a larvae, you would never imagine 
that this same little thing will one day become a beautiful monarch butterfly. It just doesn't look like that. It just, what's the connection there? You can't judge something and the nature of it based on how it appears right now. You understand what I'm saying? And so it is with us. Our true self, our true identity is obscure. It's cryptic. It's hidden in this vault in heaven with God. And, and yes, it's hidden in the sense that it's protected, but it's also hidden and obscured for a lot of other reasons. Our true identity in Christ, sometimes it's hidden under all of the lies that you've ever believed. Our true self is hidden underneath all of the wounds that we've ever received in our lives. Your true identity is, is buried underneath all of the bad decisions you've ever made and all of the destructive habits that you've ever cultivated in your thinking and in your life. Our true identity is hidden underneath uh, a lot of scars that we've accumulated in our lives. Our true self is hidden underneath a lot of the horrific things that have been spoken over you and some of the false images of yourself that you believe. It's buried underneath all of that. It's concealed. It's obscured. And even now, every thought we think, every feeling we have, every action we engage in that, um, that is not congruent with the nature of Christ, it conceals who we truly are. It conceals our true identity. When I look at all of you here this morning seated on these pews, I think to myself, you are a good-looking bunch of people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a good-looking person. Unless it's somebody else's spouse. Keep that to yourself. I look at you all, and, and I'm telling you, man, you're a good-looking congregation. Some of you more than others, obviously. But you're a good-looking bunch of people. But you don't really look glorious. And maybe you're thinking the same thing of me. Maybe, maybe I don't right now look glorious. And right now, maybe you don't feel glorious. I know I right now, I don't feel glorious. But one day we will. And it will be clear. It will be obvious. And right now, looking at you, looking at me, it may not always look like you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But you know what? We are. And someday it's going to be clear. Someday it's going to be obvious. And right now, looking at all of us, it may not always look like we have the holiness of Christ. It may not look like you have the righteousness of Christ. It may not always look like you have the beauty of Christ and the power of Christ flowing through us. And it may not always look like you have the peace of God enveloping us. But I'm going to tell you something. All of those things are true right now. It's just that it's concealed, it's obscured, it's hidden, it's buried underneath a lot of garbage that we've inherited from the world. But the day's going to come, all of that junk's going to be burned away, praise God. And there's going to be a great unveiling, the curtain's going to be pulled back. And our true self, our true identity of Christ, in Christ is going to be perfectly revealed. And it's going to be glorious, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be mind-bogglingly beautiful. C.S. Lewis put it like this in his book, The Weight of Glory. I'm just going to paraphrase him. He said, the dullest, most base, unintelligent person you can think of. He said, you better be careful when you talk to that person. Because, he says, because you may be talking to somebody who later on will become a creature so beautiful that if it were revealed now, you might be tempted to worship it. 
You see, when we all look at one another right now, right now you're just seeing the acorn. You're just you're seeing the zygote self. You're seeing the larvae self. I'm looking at all of you. You look like you're just a bunch of larvae sitting on these pews. But C.S. Lewis says there's coming a day when who you truly are and who I truly am, who we truly are, it's going to be perfectly revealed. And when that happens, he says we're going to look at one another and there's going to be tears in our eyes. We're going to see the glory of God in one another and we're going to be blown away. We're going to be like, wow, that's who you are? I saw glimpses of it. But you're stunning. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. And we're going to be totally taken back by the glory of God in one another. And it's not going to be this prideful thing because it's all about participating in Christ. Seeing the glory and the beauty of God in one another is, is another way of seeing the beauty of Christ reflected in a lot of different ways. And, and, and Lewis says we're going to be overwhelmed when our true selves, our true identity in Christ is revealed. And all that's sinful, all that's petty, all that's ugly is going to be burned away. And we're going to see the true monarch butterfly. We're going to see the true mighty oak tree, the true human self, and it's going to be mind-blowing. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror, and you're going to say, wow. Now, some of you already do that, so we've got to work on that pride that you got. But I'm going to tell you, as good-looking as you think you are right now, it doesn't compare with the glory that's going to be revealed in you when Christ appears. In fact, I'll just say it like this. The difference between you right now and the you that will one day be revealed is far greater than the difference between an acorn and an oak tree or the larvae and the monarch butterfly. And it's going to blow us away. It's going to be beautiful. I like the way that John puts it here in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Look back at verse 1 again. I just want to zoom in on verse 1, just the first part of it. And Holy Spirit, help us to see the beauty of this passage. He says, see, behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us. It's a great love. It's not just love. It's love that is great. This is the love that was revealed on Calvary. A love without boundaries. A love without limits, a love without parameters, a love without qualifications and conditions. It's a love that is unwavering, unimprovable, unsurpassable. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. He didn't just give us a crumb, folks. He didn't just sprinkle it on us. He's deluged us in His love. He's soaked us in His love. You and I are drowning in the love of God, and that is what makes us children of God. What makes us children of God is not our natural birth. What makes us children of God is not that we somehow earn it or deserve it. What makes us children of God is not that we have a right or, or that God owes us something. What makes us children of God is that while we were yet dead in sin, Christ died for us. We were lost, 
And Christ came and rescued us. He's the shepherd that goes out looking for his lost sheep. And he calls us children of God. And I'm going to tell you, I just, I, I so hope you grab hold of this this morning. If God says you're a child of God, you are a child of God. I don't care how you feel or what you think. It's not, that, it's not like God pretends that we're his child. Or God looks at us as though we were his child. You know, sometimes people talk like that. I hear people say things like, uh, well, you know, when God looks at me, he looks at me through Jesus' spectacles, and he doesn't see my sin, as if God has poor eyesight or something, as though he just pretends that we're his children. Now, listen to me. When God says you're his child, you are his child because God's word creates reality. Listen to what I'm saying to you. When God says, let there be light, boom, there's light. When God said, let there be land, Boom, there was land. When God said, let there be sky, boom, there was sky. And so also, when God says, Ryan Post is a child of God, Ryan Post is a child of God. When God says, Ryan Post is holy, Ryan Post is holy. When God says, Ryan Post is righteous, Ryan Post has the righteousness of Christ. When God says, Ryan Post is filled with my love, Ryan Post is filled with my love. Because God's word creates reality. Now, when you look at me right now, you're just seeing the acorn version of Ryan Post. This is the zygote Ryan Post, the larvae Ryan Post. But God speaks the real Ryan Post into existence. And you may disagree with him, and that's okay. Take it up with God. Knock yourself out. But Paul says it like this. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is God who justifies. Who can lay any charge against God's elect? So, folks, listen. This is who you are. This is who I am. This is who we are. We are beloved children of God who have been made holy and righteous in Jesus Christ, reconciled to the Father. This is who we are. This is our true self. We can't possibly be loved any more than we are right now by the Father. And this is what's true. This is our true identity. But sometimes we don't always see it clearly. Sometimes it's concealed. Sometimes it's obscured. I guarantee you, if you hang around me long enough, you're going to see that I'm still just the acorn. I'm just the larvae. I got a lot of growing to do. I got a long way to go. I'm a work in progress like all of us. But you can't judge who I am based on how things appear right now. And I can't judge who you are based on how things appear right now. And we can't judge ourselves based on how things appear right now. And that's what Paul's telling the Colossians. He says, fight against that carnal way of thinking. Don't put your mind on earthly things. Don't think like people on earth. Set your mind on things above where your true self is entangled with Christ and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and all that's His is now given to you. Paul's saying, put your mind on that. Fixate on that. Think about it constantly. And by faith, as we grab hold of that and move in that direction, well, now our true identity more and more gets manifested right here and right now on the earth. I need some shouters here this morning. Amen. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Listen to me, man. When everything that conceals the truth is burned away, All those memories, all those horrific things people have done and said, all of the horrific things you've done and said, all of the scars and wounds that you've accumulated, when all that junk is burned away and the truth is manifested, we can't even begin to imagine what it's going to look like, how beautiful it's going to be. 
I wish I had an acorn with me right now. But if, just imagine there's an acorn right here. All right? You see that acorn? I feel like I'm in kids' church. When you look at that acorn, if, unless you already knew it was going to happen, you'd never guess that this little acorn will one day become a mighty oak tree. And that acorn's so small, it's so vulnerable. A little squirrel could gobble that thing up in just a few seconds. You would never look at that acorn and imagine that it would one day become this strong, firm oak tree that stands there for hundreds of years, even in the face of hurricane winds. And far from being eaten by a squirrel, it actually becomes a home for squirrels. And what you and I have to understand is right now, we are our acorn selves in this fallen world. And sometimes we have struggles. We, sometimes we struggle with attitudes that don't look like Jesus. Sometimes we have patterns of thinking that aren't like the mind of Christ. Sometimes we get things lodged in our hearts that aren't congruent with the nature of Christ. Lust, greed, animosity, hatred, jealousy covetousness, self-righteousness. And see, if this life were all there was, then we could conclude, well, that's who I am. This is who I am. This is my identity. But you and I as Christians know better. We know the truth. And that this life right here, it's just the first nanosecond in a journey, in an adventure that's going to last forever and it's never, ever going to come to an end. We're just getting started, folks. Look at your neighbor and say, we're just getting started. And so don't judge who you are based on how things may appear right here and right now. Remind yourself, I'm, I'm a little acorn, but my destiny is that one day I'm going to become that mighty oak tree. I guarantee you, there's going to come a day, I don't care how you feel about yourself right now, if you're a believer, there's going to come a day, you will manifest the perfect holiness of Jesus Christ. And you know what the truth is? You actually already have it. You're just the acorn that doesn't know it yet. But one day the curtain's going to be pulled back. There's going to be a great unveiling. And on that day, guess what? There's not going to be any more struggles. There won't be any more pain, no more heartache. So keep your mind fixed on that, okay? Because that is who you truly are. Don't define yourself based on how things appear right now and say, well, I'm just an addict. I'm just a loser. I'm just a sinner. No, listen to me. You're a child of God. You're an object of God's unsurpassable love. And one day you and I are going to see that with perfect clarity. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.